being a creator virtually guarantees that you're going to face failure. That's just a part of the process, but it is perhaps one of the most important parts. Excellence is not a one-time event. It's a continual movement forward. But when at the core of your creativity is the desire to only glorify the Lord that has given you so much, you can move through most anything that comes your way. My guest today is enthusiastic, joyful, and won't let anything stop her from the calling that the Lord has placed on her life. It'll take about 30 seconds, and you're going to have a smile on your face and want to hear more. Howdy, disciples, and welcome to the Creator's Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Madsen, and today my guest is Nevada Miller. Now, Nevada is a silversmith, an entrepreneur, and she not only has a love for her craft, but a love of people as well. Both of those things are what the Lord is using to affect the world for Him in some wonderful ways. I hope you're ready. Let's go. Nevada Miller, welcome to the Creator's Calling Podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you on. Uh, you are such a creative. You're just like a creative, you know, fireball. It's <laughs> it's amazing to me all the things that you're involved with, Nevada. Uh, and your work is so good. I mean, it's just, you really are. Uh, you just do things with true excellence. Thank and you. That. Some days it doesn't feel like that, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think we all have days like that where you're just going, oh, man, what happened here? You know. <laughs> well, I'm so excited. Uh, let's start here um, and tell everybody a little bit about yourself, because maybe a lot of the audience isn't familiar with your work, what you do, you know, and kind of where you grew up, all your personal background and all of that. And then transition, we're going to start with, because one of the most interesting things to hear is how people come to know Jesus. So give us some personal, some kind of background, where you're living now, you know, kind of what you're up to. And then we're, we're going to go into how you came to know the Lord. Okay, awesome. So I grew up in Kalinga, California, which I call is like the same part of California. <laughs> so it's Central California. We're like halfway between L.A. and San Francisco. And I grew up um, in a family of makers. My dad was a saddle maker, bit and spur maker, and pretty much just good at everything. And my mom was our teacher. We were homeschooled, me and my brother. So we grew up there. And then I went to college up in Montana and met my then boyfriend, future husband, and moved to the middle of nowhere, southeastern Oregon, French <laughs> Glen. There's only six people in the town. So if you haven't heard of it, that's understandable. And <laughs> he is the fifth generation on our family ranch. And so now we are married and I live on the ranch and I make things. I teach silver work, I'm an entrepreneur and you know, try to keep people sane and try to keep myself sane as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're doing pretty good on all those fronts, Nevada. I don't know. Uh, we'll, now, try. we'll try. We'll <laughs> try. <laughs> now, tell, what does your husband do? Tell us a little bit about him. 
So his name is Levi and he's just the best person ever. I sure love him. Um, I definitely found a good one. So he is a rancher. Um, Yes, he's a fifth generation. He has two other brothers and we all ranch here together. We like to call it like a little commune. (laughs) (laughs) So we live right next to his mom and dad, Gary and Michelle. And so, yeah, we just, we ranch full time. We're a cow-calf operation. Um, We raise our own horses as well. Not really for the public. We just kind of raise them for just ranch bred horses. Mm -hmm. We have a little feedlot that Levi manages as well. And so, yeah, that, that runs a lot of our time. We live in the desert, so it is definitely dry a lot of the time. So it takes a lot of riding and a lot of checking water. And yeah, that's kind of what he does. Wow. That, oh man, that just sounds great. I know that country and it's like, boy, howdy, you're in some fantastic country up there. That is for sure. And nobody else seems to like it, which is maybe why I love it. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of people out here. <laughs> well, you know, the Lord put you there and he's sure using you in some wonderful ways. That's for darn sure. Well, thank uh, you. I sure enjoy it. Oh, and he does braid rawhide too. I forgot to say that. Oh, That's his hobby whenever he gets a few spare minutes, which is pretty rare, but he loves doing that as well. Oh boy. Well, you just got creativity all over the place there. Let me tell you, just handy all over. (laughs) Now, tell me, how did you come to know the Lord, Nevada? So I definitely, I grew up in a Christian household and I honestly don't remember the age I was when I actually accepted Christ. Um, Very young. We grew up just doing everything in the church and had a really big youth group there. And that's where all my friends were. And really some of my best friends were still friends to this day are from that period of my life. And so my mom and dad were a huge, huge instrument in that. Um, and they were the ones that kind of guided us, but it wasn't, it was never something that was forced. It was something that we did, but it has become, I would say a personal relationship, the older that I've gotten, right. When Mm -hmm. you're young, you don't really know your own thoughts on the world. And then when you start experiencing the world, you actually kind of develop your own faith and it becomes a little bit more real to you. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I honestly, I probably five or six, maybe when I said the words, but I wouldn't say that I really felt them till, you know, you get older and mm-hmm. actually do some time doing life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that is so true, but what a, it's so great. Your parents brought you guys up within in the, the, the admonition of the Lord and just uh, having that that solid foundation to, to begin life with and then being there to support you through all of it. You know, um, yes, it's, it's just great. Now, when you, you made a real interesting comment there in terms of you said the words, but then, it, you know, it, be, it becomes more of a personal relationship later. Tell us about when you talk about it becoming a personal relationship, um, how did that develop? How did you, how is your relationship with the Lord developed and to where you saw changes in yourself, perhaps in how you view the world, that kind of a thing? So really good question. Um, I think when you're, when you're younger, you are surrounded by things that almost make it easy right? Because you're surrounded with the same, a lot of people that think the same as you. Oh yeah. It's when you go off on your own and you have to go through hard times, go through challenges by yourself and actually develop something to stand on that maybe was taken away by exiting that comfortable place. Right. So when you go out and go to college and we traveled a bunch growing up and me and my brother traveled some by ourselves and just seeing the world in third world countries and all different kinds of places, but realizing that God has his hand on every single thing in this world. 
And it's all beautiful, but it can be very difficult as well. Mm-hmm. So it became a lot more real when I, I would just say I just lived life a little bit longer, um, went through college and, you know, went through that stage in life. And then also moving out to the middle of nowhere. I lived in a little house for two years before me and my husband got married. And that was kind of a stepping stone that I wanted to do on my own. That's a lot of life changes, you know, all at once. So I wanted yeah. to kind of take it a little bit slower. And that time, especially if you don't have that solid foundation that you can base your own reasons why you do things on, it's pretty mm-hmm. hard to have much faith. So that's, I guess, I don't know, that's a long winded answer to just say, you got to do life with the Lord. And then he shows up in huge ways all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, that it's a great answer to that. Cause you know, uh, for some people, it seems like they receive the Lord and they see big changes you know, like, oh, it could be maybe they were a drug addict, you know, and all of a sudden that's taken right. away or something like that, you know. Uh, but then there's also what you're talking about. And for a lot of people, especially when they grow up in a Christian home, to, to see how the Lord shows up, just like you said, when you start really getting out and you have to start to depend on him uh, and being able to see his hand in things. And how he's working in your life in terms of how he's going to communicate with you. What's the relationship you two have together and let that develop. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And I think I, I count myself very fortunate. I haven't, I really don't think I've ever been through a huge traumatic event with a lot of people, you know, when they come to faith, that'll usually be kind of the trigger that does something. And maybe that's coming down the road. I don't know, but it also makes you appreciate the small things that he does throughout life. So I feel very blessed and fortunate that I was raised, you know, in a loving household and had had these kind of things as I was brought up and then was able to enter life with a little bit, maybe more confidence Mm -hmm. um, to go ahead and give it a try because, you know, we're going to fail, but that's okay. And so, yeah, I, it's, it's kind of interesting. Everyone has their own walk with Christ. My father was definitely not that way. He is a recovered alcoholic. He never has drank in any of me, my brother's lifetime, and he is a strong Christian man, but that was not always the case. And he was definitely the one that, I mean, this is his testimony that he had to have kind of that come to Jesus moment for him Mm -hmm. to actually change, change his ways. But I think seeing how he developed as a Christian man was a huge influence in how I would love to have faith with the Lord going forward in life. Cause he really just seeing how he changed as a father and the love, I mean, he's always been loving, but just seeing his walk with Christ change over our childhood was really amazing. So, yeah. Wow. You know, I love hearing that story. Uh, in our today's society, the role of father so often is either is downplayed. Right. And yes. boy, everything you said there is just so wonderful to hear. Uh, just the effects, not only in, in your dad's life personally, but then how it affected the family as a father and as a godly man to raise godly children, which is just exciting, just yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, my mom is just a saint. She's just, <laughs> she's always been good, man. Oh, man. Isn't that great, though? Oh, she, I know yeah. they pair so well together. I'm like, oh, God really had a plan on that one. <laughs> well, you know what? That's just pretty good, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, Nevada. I love that. Now, I have a question for you here, and this is more relating to when you were out on your own and just some observations from you. Uh, For your generation, one of the biggest questions, now, of course, 
you know, I'm old, so it's, you know, it's a whole different world <laughs> to what, how you grew up. When you look at the, the people that are your age, your generation, uh, what are some of the stumbling blocks or where are they at in terms of Christ? And whether it's real, whether he's not, you know, all of that kind of thing. And, oh, that's a good question. We are getting social, uh, I guess, deductions going on. Um, to be honest, the, the first word that popped into my head when you said that is sadness. I see a lot of people my age, very ungrounded. They don't really know why they're here. They don't really know if there's a bigger purpose. If there is one, should there be one? Maybe they're supposed to be it. They're very, a lot I would say are confused and very worried. Um, anxiety is huge in our age group. And a lot of it, I'm not saying that it never was there in generations previous. I think we have more language to describe the things that are going on and it's mm -hmm. more acceptable to talk about definitely mental mental health um, issues and struggles mm -hmm. but i would say sadness which is awful um i think that there has to be i believe that you know life is cyclical and it comes in waves so i believe that there will be a resurgence but for right now i do i see a lot of sadness because i think they're questioning everything but they haven't they're questioning the faith that maybe they grew up with Mm -hmm. But they haven't come back around to re-question that in their own terms to see if that faith fits for them that they just, you know, they kind of wrote it off and are trying every other thing, but maybe haven't given that a try again. Does that make any sense? It does. <laughs> that I think that's really insightful, Nevada. Um, it's, there's so that's one of the biggest challenges. You know, we we talk about it all the time, you know, amongst, you know, other believers and that. And when you're like when you're my age, when you're old uh, and because the, the dynamics of your generation are so radically different um, for a lot of reasons over the generation that I grew up in. And I think your challenges are, are greater in some respects. There's some things that are really difficult and trying to be able to say, how can we come alongside these these younger generations in the way they need us so they can see jesus how can we present jesus to them in a way that's going to make him more real and that, that the holy spirit can just use us more effectively in that in that capacity right i think that's the hardest thing is the world has become people don't like the words right and wrong anymore yeah, yeah. um and also, I think our generation really doesn't like to be told what to do. <laughs> so when when they're kind of said, this is how it's supposed to go, without ever having experience and trying some of those things on their own to realize that some things just don't work, right? Mm -hmm, right. They just automatically say, nope, not for me. I don't want to be told what to do. And they've been, they've seen religion. They haven't seen faith. And that's... <sighs> I mean, I see that too, right? We all struggle with that, being honest about what we're actually, what's actually going on and how we actually feel. Um, and we're just told that we're supposed to feel a certain way because we're Christian and that's uh -huh. not necessarily true. So uh -huh. that's, that's really insightful. And you know, it's, it is so important to be able to be real about everything. When you're following Christ, we're all going to have these different issues and challenges right. and that. And we, not right. be able, we, need, we need to be able to talk about that. Yep. And and let the Lord, you know, really move through that. And if we're just bottling it up and, you know, putting on a show, that doesn't work for anybody. Right. right. Wow. I love your insights here, uh, Nevada. Now, taking that insight, how do you, when you look at the arts, look at what you're doing. 
How do you think that is a way, how do you think the Lord can use that to help reach the people of your generation? Uh, I wouldn't, for me, it's not necessarily the art itself. It's the work involved in it. So every step, if I can do something better, if I can be, you know, efficient with it and be a good steward of the skills that God has put into my hands right now, Mm -hmm. that's to me, I guess, the, the biggest, uh, testimony of Christ in my work. I don't, I don't think that my work is going to relate to everybody. I don't think that everybody necessarily will like the type of silver jewelry that I make and that's okay. But I guess the relation that I'm hoping them to gather with my stuff is just seeing that hands are building this. You can do things wherever God puts you. I live 80 miles from the nearest town. I wouldn't have, you know, sales or have this work if we didn't have social, but you can use you can use that platform in a really wise way. So it's how I do the work, maybe more than what the work necessarily is. That's kind of a happy, maybe a happy accident because there's things that I'm making as I'm doing it. I'm like, I don't even like this. And then people (laughs) love it. So (laughs) you never know. You really never know. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Wow. That those are really, I think that's very insightful. What you said Uh, being, because you're really, you're talking about doing all these things, with excellence as unto the Lord and how much that reaches people. And, you know, the other thing as well, it seems as if more and more society, the more technocratic it gets, the less of a feel of the real human being and the reality of the Lord in a human being's life becomes more and more foreign. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I think people, they, they're craving authenticity. And I know that's really a buzzword and I'm not a huge fan of it because of that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really are. People want to see people and they want to buy things that are made by people. So I think there's kind of a renaissance of made items going on. People really do want to see the person behind whatever's being made. So even if they don't buy something, they might share it with a friend and that's how it gets carried on. Yes. Boy, you're dead on. I think that is, I think you're just dead on there. Now, you know, I want you to take a moment and describe the kind of work you do. And then tell us a little bit how the Lord moved you into your calling. Because your calling is, it's amazing to me, because you've got your, you, how did you, you know, you kind of focused it on the jewelry. But then now you've got the Be a Maker School. And here you are reaching out and you're, you're, you're being a real conduit to teach others how to be a maker as well. You've got all these things going on. I tell you, where's me out just looking at it? <laughs> well, but, you know, sometimes when we finally sit down on the couch at night, me and my husband, we look at each other, we're like, what would we do if we weren't so busy? <laughs> what would that be like? I do not know the word board. Uh, <laughs> no, it's definitely, definitely not part of my personality to ever be bored. Um, but it's so funny. I think that a lot of people maybe get concerned about the word calling because it seems like this huge profound thing that I should walk out one day and it's wrote in the clouds right what I'm going to be doing and I don't I don't really know if that's true because a lot of these things that I've done were very small incremental steps right they Mm -hmm. they started very tiny I still remember the day when I said hey dad I want to learn how to do silver work in high school. And I did three days of cutting the same dang cut over and over (laughs) again because he wanted to put that, that discipline in me from the very get go. And then just over the time, 
that I've been making stuff, it's transitioned again. So I used to try to make these kind of crazy off the wall pieces. And I, I loved that. But then moving into when I got married and live on the ranch full time, um, and I don't go to town a lot, I really don't enjoy going to town. Um, if I can't wear something and get joy from just wearing it in my own shop, going out, doing chores, you know, getting cow crap on it, whatever, mm-hmm. then it's not really practical for my lifestyle. So I think I've reached some more people in that way because I'm just making stuff you can do life in. Um, so it's kind of transitioned over the years. But as far as the calling with Be a Maker School, I mean, it started from the company that makes all the engraving equipment, GRS, that my dad teaches for. They asked me to demonstrate at a show. And it's just, we go to a trade show and I sit down there with an engraver and I spend three days, you know, and just, hey, if you want to try it out, come sit down with me. And I was so nervous and I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) And it transitioned from that to teaching one day workshops, to teaching three day, to teaching week long. And then Be A Maker School came from the fact that I do believe that everybody can be a maker. They can be a maker in their own way, right? So I Mm want to that I know for them to take that and build on it with their own creativity. So I just, I mean, COVID was a huge, a huge implementer factor in that because everything kind of went online. It's also the 21st century. So even us ranch people (laughs) have to kind of go online at some, at some time. So yeah, Be Maker School started from that. And it just, I'm so excited that I've got to bring people on board to be instructors that I, I get to call friends. I've known them personally for a long time. And their personality is just as big to me as their skill in what they do. Because mm. I really wanted quality people for Be Maker School. So my silver work has transitioned from kind of crazy off the wall to just practical things that have a lot of infusions of Western lifestyle with classic styles of engraving like bright cut um, and also some like Navajo influences and influences Mm. from where we've traveled. Morocco is a big one. I love geometrics. And so, yeah, that's (laughs) again, that's my long winded answer. (laughs) That's a great answer. You know what? I'm sitting here listening to this and you may said something really important because, you know, for some people, it seems like when you talk about your calling, it's like you say, they, people will have this idea that it's the written in the clouds. I thought it was a great image that you, you said right. there. Right. But what if you think about the calling of Abraham, he just said, Lord said, go to a place I'm going to show you. And it was a step at a time. And Abraham, you know, he just had to take those steps and it unfolded as he walked. Right. And so often that's what happens in our lives in terms of how the Lord is moving. But to, I love how he, you, he opened the doors and you, you just kept stepping through different things and uh, kind of followed what he was doing there. And I, I so appreciate his guidance because at any point in all this, if he thought, if anyone asked if I thought I was qualified, nope, <laughs> still, still definitely not qualified because like people have asked about you know, how'd you get it started? What was the vision? I'm like, man, I just thought we should try to teach some Western trades online. And that was, <laughs> that was the thought. And then just slowly, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it is amazing to look back and see what God does. Cause it's not, it's not just me. It is all the people around me and the people that want to see and want to learn these Western trades that have made this happen. But it is, it's so funny. Cause at the time I'm like, this could totally go up in flames. I have no idea. <laughs> so I guess we'll give it a try because what else are we going to do with our time? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you, you know what's so encouraging about that and about it is that you were just you just took a step and said, okay, whatever happens, and you were really just putting that right in the Lord's hands, and it's and look what He's done with it, you know. <laughs> thank God, thank God He had a plan because I really wasn't too sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think a lot of people can relate to that, but it, it's so exciting to see all of this. You know, I was on your website. You have this this uh, little thing. It says, "We can all be makers of good, just like him who was the first maker." Yeah, I love that statement. Uh, how did that statement come to be? I'm so uh, it excited me so much. You just put it right out there, you know, and uh, elaborate on what you think about that. What does that mean to you? So I've used, I mean, I've used the word maker for a long time. And I think um, a lot of people, they've been told when they were little that they weren't creative because maybe they weren't good at art class, whatever. If you mm-hmm. ask me to draw a person, it is going to look like a potato. It will not <laughs> look like a person. So I, I guess it was just an encouragement that we're all makers of something. A teacher is a maker of beautiful minds, right? They have such impact on the children in front of them. If you're an accountant, you can be the maker of less confusing books. I mean, there's everyone does something. A lot of people just, you know, hear the word maker and they're like, well, actually, I don't make anything. No, really, you do. Everyone does. I mean, that fact. Um, so whatever you do, be makers of good is kind of my whole theory and premise on the world, I guess. But I believe we have that desire to be makers of good because of who made us. There's so Mm -hmm. much creativity in each individual person because we were created. And you cannot tell me when you look outside at nature that God is not creative. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could have made every tree look the same, but every single leaf on every single tree looks different. So I guess it's just, it is, I believe, infused in us. And we just have to recognize that it's there. Will my creativity look like the same as the next person? No. And I don't think it should be. I think that's just one more aspect of God that we get to show because he's, we'll never get to the end of all the aspects that we could show of him. So I guess that's kind of, that's what I think of that saying. (laughs) Oh, you know, that's just so great. And you know, that is such an, I I really love what you said because I cannot, and I know you've had no doubt the same experience where you do have people who just think that they are just, you know, no creativity at all. Right. And yet what does scripture says is that we were created in the image of God. And with that image, where well, the first thing we learned about him is that he created. Yep. Absolutely. And to hear you saying that and the way you wrote that, oh, good grief. That is so wonderful. And for those people who don't think that they are creative, boy, you hit the nail on the head. Well, I, I hope it. I hope some people hear that because I think that's a huge disservice that we've told a lot of people that seriously, because they weren't good at one art project that they're not creative. And then they just held on to that and won't ever just kind of open themselves up to the fact that they are in their own way. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That is absolutely right. Now, what are some uh, spiritual disciplines, some of the things that help you that you find edifying as an artist to build you up in the Lord, to build you up in your art? Good, good question. Um, I know for sure that when I spend my quiet time in the morning, when I start my day, just me and a cup of coffee and Christ, it goes 97% better (laughs) than it ever could without. And I definitely, I feel that it's very, for us, um, it's pretty difficult. We don't go to church regularly. Um, We watch church on YouTube just because ranch life, it honestly is a very, very 
difficult thing to get there, which is something you could pray for me about because trying to find that balance, mm-hmm. um, holding on to that faith in that community while being mm-hmm. very isolated as well can be a struggle. And I think a lot of people that maybe are ranching people that live far out probably feel the same way, um, yeah. which is a great thing because it's so accessible that you can find things online. So that's yeah. a big deal. Um, and then, yeah, just honestly, just in the morning, if I can start my day with Christ, it is, oh my gosh, <laughs> a huge game changer. And I know my <laughs> husband that because I'm sure he <laughs> recognized when I'm not a huge grumble. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's really good. That's so good. Now who've been some important mentors to you, both in your faith and in your art? Ooh, this is always another good question. Um, for my faith, I would definitely say my mom. Um, she is just such a positive light in the world. Mm. And I, I don't really know what you have to do to upset her. I really have <laughs> never seen her <laughs> upset. So I hope to be half as half as positive as she is one day. Um, she's been huge. And she always said the mild potato, potato in the pot. She grew up with a mom that if someone else showed up for dinner, you would just throw another potato in and make it work. And it was totally fine. That community and the aspect aspect of just helping people is huge for her. Um, so she was, she's a big, a big influence for sure. My dad as well. And he's probably the biggest influence on the art side. He's just such a creative guy and anything he picks up, he's going to be good at. I mean, we went, he went through a fruit carving stage. We didn't have a normal (laughs) piece of fruit on the table for two years. Like every apple was a swan. There was iguanas, cucumber. Oh my gosh. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's just he's an influence because he never he never stops learning he never finds and never stops finding inspiration in all kinds of places so i would yeah wow. i would say those are my two biggest ones well you know i remember the first time i met your dad this is back in the 80s yeah and i was down at mel lawson's and i used to go down he mel's the one that taught me how to how to sculpt and okay. uh i went down there i used to go down once a month and your dad was down there one day and he had some drawings of these cheek pieces for for some santa barbara spades he was gonna build up right. and golly i could not believe what he was coming up with it's it's crazy and he never stops i <laughs> He has not slowed down one bit. (laughs) Oh, good grief. Well, I think, boy, you know, what I love about that is you have your parents have, obviously, they're so important to you. And for them to be mentors to that that degree is just fantastic. I sure am. I count myself pretty lucky. Yeah. Oh, man. That is, that's really, uh, that's really wonderful. Um. When you talk about your art, your work, you've addressed some of this uh, already, but when we look out, how would you like to see it? Or how do you think the arts, your art and artistic endeavors in general, affects society for Christ? Very, I, I think we're in a very interesting time right now. We're on the tail end rebuilding stage of the pandemic and mm-hmm. wherever I won't get political, wherever you stand on everything that happened in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. it's pretty undeniable that the world was shaken and we're kind of figuring things out again. I think that there usually in the past in history, right? Anytime there was a huge thing that went on, there was a massive influx of art because emotions are so heavily tied to things that we create and put 
into the world with artistic license. Mm -hmm. So I think that I see a very hopeful future for all of the Western traits because everyone, even if you didn't grow up in the Western lifestyle, they're so interested in it now. And I think it's just another avenue for us to make beautiful things and have a beautiful message that goes along with it. And really, everyone is very open to professing things right now. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's just a way that we can actually put out what we think into the world and tie what we think into that piece because they want to hear the story behind it. It doesn't really, I think, matter if they necessarily agree, but it's okay to put your story out there. And you never know who you're going to affect by doing that. And so I think it's just, it's, it's a huge opportunity to make beautiful stuff and put your message with it because people do want to hear from the people behind the artwork. Yeah, boy, that's, and you know what you said there about people wanting to hear, because you know, we're, we're narrative beings. The, the idea of story is so critical uh, in, in the arts, but then you said something I think that's really important for all of us to get a hold of. And that's that people want to hear that even if they don't agree with it. They want to hear it. Yep. Yeah. Because it puts, I hear things all the time, right? That I maybe don't agree with, but I can, I can think on those things and all people that I think are good. And I think you can glean those things if you're just aware enough to pick up on it, but you mm -hmm. don't have to necessarily come at people saying you're, you know, you're wrong. Da, 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 da. You need to come with love and say, Hey, this is what I think. I'm just telling you what I think. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying, this is what I believe in. And this is why, because I like to believe that there's a hopeful future. I like to believe that there's plans laid out before me. I like to believe that there's a place I am going that is better than here one day. So mm -hmm. that's, I, yeah. I guess that's that's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's I think that's a huge encouragement uh, because so many in, in all of the arts, it doesn't matter if you're writing, if you're you know uh, singing uh, any of it, uh, you can really get pushed back or you can be get become fearful of, of right. really saying telling the story that you have to tell right. because uh, it seems as if it's so it, uh, there's so much uh, blowback to it. Yeah, And I, yeah. I really love what you said there, uh, because it's um, an important perspective to have to, to say, OK, I'm going to be bold about this and just be who I am. And like you say, it's not about beating them over the head. It's right. it's about just being who you are and telling the story. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, for those of us who are ignorant about these things, <laughs> such as myself, tell us a little bit about your process and, and how do you go about from, you know, the inspiration it's just some of the basic things into your finished pieces. What does all that entail? So that's a, a question I've been asked a lot. And I, you know, I feel like I don't have a great answer. It uh, <laughs> usually comes from, I have the overall piece in mind, what the functionality of it needs to be, right? So <laughs> I, I have, okay, is this something that I want to wear daily and never really have to take off? Or is this something that I really kind of want to be a statement piece? So once I kind of have those thoughts and thoughts in place. I will start just sketching in a notebook. It's nothing fancy. It's a pencil and paper and get some bare bones ideas out. I used to really just uh, have anxiety over the design. If it wasn't perfect right away, then it wasn't good. And I've really kind of let that go. I literally, it's just kind of a blob that I sketch on the notebook <laughs> and get some basic ideas out and just get it flowing. Mm -hmm. As soon as I start 
going from there, if I want to add stones, I'll put the stone on there and see what it looks like with different patterns and designs around it. And usually if I can just get my pencil, the notebook paper, something comes out. From there, I will usually draw it on a computer program just so if I want to make more of them, it's very efficient. So I can print that off and help me with that design process again. Um, and then I just head into the shop and every piece starts as a flat piece of silver and I cut it out with a jeweler's saw and start the fabrication process. Um, for those that aren't familiar, fabrication is the actual building of the item. So I take from a nothing piece of silver and form it and heat it and stamp it and clean it up and make it into something. And then I decorate it with a process called engraving. So all of that kind of happens in the shop. I, I really enjoy the fabrication process. Um, it's just, it's kind of a holistic thing to me. I, I think that I really have a lot more fun with creativity when I can build the item and then mm -hmm. make it beautiful afterwards. So mm -hmm. fabrication, engraving, any stone setting, anything like that all happens in the shop. And it's just me and my dog. And that's kind of what our process looks like. <laughs> wow. That's, you know, that is so interesting. I never would have thought about now the computer component. Is that where you, when you put that design, is that just so you have the, like the pattern all set and you're all set to go that way? Is that what that's all about? Yeah. So anything that I draw, if I'm making say one cuff and I want to make five of them. Uh -huh. So I draw it on the computer so I can, you know, make, put five on a piece of label paper it's like sticky label paper oh, yeah. and then when I print it out I can cut that out put it right on my silver and go to sign so it's consistent it's fast if I need to resize anything say one person has a bigger wrist than another I can quickly do that without screwing up any of the design and then just get right into the shop a lot quicker oh boy you're so clever oh well, that's that's really I've learned good. a lot of things <laughs> I've made <laughs> a lot of mistakes too <laughs> well that's why you you're so good if you're, you're out there making those mistakes and learning and, and growing from them um right. what's a signature trait of your work do you think what makes your work unique to you Ooh, um I love moons <laughs> I don't really know why but I put moons on a lot of things um I think that to me, that is just another reminder of Christ and the mm. cyclical nature of life because moons come in cycles. And it's just so cool to watch how animals behave, how we behave during those cycles. So just, I don't know, I think that's a really cool and inspiring thing that God even put thought into just the day by day changing of planets that are orbiting around us. I could go really deep on that. So <laughs> I like <laughs> moons. Um, I do like to incorporate usually some geometrics with engraving. Um, and a lot of my engraving is kind of a hybrid between classic Western bright cut and some more single point style. So I do a style of scrolls called Scottish scrolls that are just, they're very large. They're larger as you would see a bright cut scroll, but they have some cuts in them that just hold darkening really well. And so I would say, yeah, I do those a lot, geometrics and moons, I guess. <laughs> wow. Well, they're, they look, they're just wonderful to see. It's, uh, it's, it, I, it's, I always love to find out what the artist thinks makes their work unique. It's fun because you, you kind of get inside their heads. It's more of what the, who the Lord made you, you know. Right. It's, it's, it's a scary really... place in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Now, what are you working on right now you're excited about? Um, well, currently, I am literally stringing a bunch of hoop me up earrings, which are little <laughs> hoop <laughs> earrings with handmade Navajo pearls on them. 
but oh, wow. I am also designing a whole nother line um, that I am going to be calling the Here Collection, which I have not announced anywhere. So there you go. There's oh, right. An exclu- um, oh, this is great. It's going to be daily items that you can just wear wherever you're at because you can find joy in those little moments, in those little, little things that we do in this decisions we make every day. So I think it can be sometimes easier to always want to create these big fancy things, but sometimes we got to recognize that life isn't always flashy and it's okay to have things that make you feel joyful and pretty Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. every single day. So I'm working on that line. I'm hoping to have that out in July. Um, So it'll be just a collection of jewelry and pieces that you can wear every day. Oh boy. That sounds, that sounds great. That's really exciting. Oh yeah. I bet it will be. I don't know. I just think it will be. <laughs> now, as we're getting ready to kind of wrap it all up here, Nevada, uh, is there a particular passage of scripture that the Lord's been ministering to you recently? So I read through the questions and I thought about this. There was a verse that I was trying to remember from this morning and I jumped onto my Bible app here in the shop and he actually showed me another one. And oh. it's Proverbs sixteen three, and it says, commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And I love the message version as well. It says, commit to the Lord all the work you do and your plans will like succeed. They will go forward. And I'm kind of paraphrasing that because when I switched over the Bible app, it made us hang up. So I didn't want to do that again. But <laughs> Proverbs 16.3, and it's just another reminder that every aspect of what I do, if I do it for the Lord, it will be okay. Even if I made a mistake in the shop and I really screwed something up, which happens all the time, how I handle that mistake is just as important as what I learned from it. So all those aspects are really huge to me. And I think that when I have, when we have a family one day, and maybe I have my kids here in the shop with me, how they see how I handle things is very important. And that's a huge testimony to Christ and the peace that can dwell inside of us Every, every moment of the day, if we just kind of lean into that. Yeah. Oh, boy. I love that, Nevada. That's just great. Now, we're, as we wrap it up here, what's a final word of encouragement you can have for somebody, for the people who are listening? I would just say you can. You can be a maker if you want to be. There's The world is so open now. There's so many opportunities that you can make an impact no matter where you live. I guess I'm just really encouraged by a lot of people I see that live kind of the similar life as I do, that they might live in the middle of nowhere, but just what they do with their time and their influence is just so amazing. So Mm. I just, I don't think that people should have limiting beliefs. I think that's from Satan for sure. And you can put your own creativity into the world. Not everyone will love it. That is okay. Not everyone loved Jesus and, and he mm-hmm. still came. So that's, right. that's, I guess that's my word of encouragement. Oh, that's really great. How can people keep in touch with you? So you can follow me on Instagram at Nevada W. Um, you can go to my website, nevadawatt.com. And then if you want to learn more about Be a Maker School, we're Be a Maker School on Instagram and Facebook. And Be a Maker.school is our website, no.com or anything. So yeah, send me an email. Um, Yeah, follow me on social. I'd love to hear from you. I do have a person that helps me answering those things because I really try to keep myself focused in the shop. So 
yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. I'd love to hear from you. And I, Kurt, thank you so much for having me on this. I, any word that was helpful was definitely not from me. I was nervous before <laughs> this and I really feel like God just kind of showed up and he does all the time. So I'm so grateful and thank you for having me. Well, thanks. I just can't tell you, you had, you had so much wonderful insight Nevada. What a great episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to share all that you did with us. It, the Lord was just like, you said, he really showed up and that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the recording didn't want us to do it, we made it. Happen. That's right. That's right. And disciples, thank you so much for listening as well. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram and on Gab at the creator's calling. And if you have, if this episode is ministered to you, consider writing a, a, a review for it. It will help other people find the episode, share it because you know, the Lord wants, he's going to be glorified through it all. And please join me next time as together we follow Jesus and listen for the Creator's Calling. Bye for now.